Okay. So hello, welcome. I'm so grateful that we're doing this today. We've been chatting about you coming on for, it feels like forever. So, and you recently went through a major shift in your business. I'm really excited to dive in and hear all about it today. Cause I'm kind of coming at this with like a fresh lens as well. So why don't you just go ahead and let everyone know who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, Emily, thank you so much for having me on. We have been talking about this podcast recording for quite some time now. So, so happy to be here and to just get into it. I feel like we met at a moment where I was really on the precipice of making some really big changes in my business. And so the last two months or so, which I cannot believe it's been two months, but I've invested in really kind of reimagining, refining, and redesigning my offer suite in my coaching business as a whole. So initially my work that I was doing, I was working with women on emotional eating and I found it to be incredibly fulfilling. But what I really liked about it, I think was that mindset piece. And then also seeing the behavioral transformation and the way that changing your eating habits was changing the rest of your life as well for these women. And so now I think rightly I've come into my position now as a high performance coach. So I'm going to actually be working with corporate girls to help them become their highest performing selves. Um, And we'll be doing that by focusing on mindset goals, routines, and boundaries. And all of that is kind of contained within my science-backed signature method, which is the high performance lifestyle method. So, so much that we could talk about so much juiciness there, but would love to hear what comes up for you with that. Yeah. So, well, first off, Actually, yeah, this is really interesting. So you were initially teaching people with emotional eating mm-hmm. who were struggling with emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And now we're pulling away from that. We're going in a different direction. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love, I love this, that it's so true that we have to try different things and you pick up on different things and then it really creates the path that you end up on. And, you know, it's so crazy because I love that. I love that we're actually, that this is getting brought up because I think that so many people hold themselves back from jumping into coaching or educating or starting a lash business or whatever it is, because they feel like they need to have everything perfect. And I'm like, no, you literally have to go on the journey and then it will become, it will snowball into what, you know, is right for you. So I, I love that 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 that's changing for you. And who knows, maybe it will change more in the future as well and grow. And I couldn't agree more. I think it's so funny, actually, that you bring that up too, because I mean, every step that I've taken in my business, like in every iteration of my coaching, it has taught me something and it's brought me to where I am. So it's definitely not a matter of, oh, I wish I would have done this sooner because then I'd be further. Like I don't come at it with that mindset. It's more so just seeing that you're right. You kind of just have to jump in and try things because otherwise you will not know. And there's a lot of like, there's kind of always been this through line in what I've done, but can definitely see how like I needed to try all these things to get to where I'm at now. And another thing that's been so helpful in this time is, I mean, I'm obviously a huge proponent of investing in yourself, especially around coaching. Like when I initially got into, I mean, we'll get into my whole, how I got into coaching, but when I initially came to the coaching world and wanted to, you know, change my habits and become my highest performing self, like reach my goals. I just felt really like I was kind of self-sabotaging and stuck in this cycle. And so when I invested in that coaching, it was so powerful and so life-changing. And so I've recently invested again in a business coach, which I hadn't before I'm in 
a mastermind, but nothing one-on-one. Um, and so that's been really an incredible experience as well. And it's just any kind of support that you have in a way that allows you to expand your mind. I feel like you will make progress 10 times as fast. And I'm sure that you can attest to that and your experience with your business too, but just having that deep focus with somebody else in some capacity, it has just allowed me to like unfold this new version of my business way quicker than I could have. And like at such a higher level than I could have alone. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that actually, so Mallory Kroos, she was one of my prior episodes that I did and she's a fitness coach and she actually talked about that as well. She was like, I actually think that when you're in, I mean, I don't want to say any type of industry because I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true, but in a lot of industries, I think that having a coach is so critical and especially too, it's so funny. Like people, this is, this is what comes up for me and people, um, they might not resonate with this at all because everyone is so different, but I consider myself to be a quite a high performing business owner as well. And so I think what comes along with these women who are quote unquote high performing is we're like, Oh, well, we can do it all. Or, Oh, I don't need help because I have everything together, but it's absolutely not true. And I think for me anyway, coaching is so amazing. I've done, you know, a million coaching programs as well. I love the I do mostly group coaching. I, I just love it. I actually, as myself, as a coach, I do a lot of group coaching sessions with people as well. Cause I just think I thrive better in that setting, but it's all about connection. I think that a lot of the time, if we're like, oh, we can do it all, or we have everything together. It's absolutely not true. It's so beneficial to have somebody on the outside saying like, Hey, are you good? Are you checking in? Are you taking time for yourself? You know, whatever that might look like. Do you need support with, I I mean, we could go into a zillion different things, but having that person on that, on that sideline to help you move through your business or transitions or whatever that looks like is so critical. I wish that more people were open-minded to investing in themselves because it is so important and can Mm. make a world of a difference. It really can. And I think you touched on something so important. It's this idea, especially I would totally consider you a high-performing businesswoman as well, like for no doubt about that. And I think for people who also identify that way, it's, you're right, it's this hyper-independence, this I don't need help. And there's almost this sense of shame around like getting support because it feels like I should be able to do this myself. But it's, it's just interesting because I feel like it's not so much, sure, maybe you can scrape by alone, but we're all human and having someone that asks powerful questions, somebody that holds you accountable and creates a space for you to see yourself more objectively, like you will perform at a higher level. And I feel like that's, it It does take some work to get there. Or I think it maybe takes just a shift in mindset to see it's like, it's not shameful to like if you think about it as investing in yourself, there's no shame in that. That's just that's just smart. That's strategic. That's not that's not a sign of weakness. And I think that that's something that a lot of people see it as, or maybe that it's not, or that it's frivolous to spend money on yourself, or that like all of these all of these things that we're taught. And it's just you just it's interesting how you see almost the opposite to be true once you come into a container or once you invest and you see that all the results that you get from coaching will feed back into your life and allow you to just be more of what you already were, except you feel like 20 times better. (laughs) Well, and actually something I love because uh, a little story behind with us is that we, we met at a, um, 
oh my God, a women's group for business owners. And we had just kind of like, I feel like we kind of hit it off right away. And then as we, you know, our relationship grew a little bit, we ended up working together. You were so helpful to me. And I feel like we, you had messaged me. I don't know if like you had messaged me for a question or something. Um, but we got on this conversation and we are, our minds think completely different. So we were kind of picking each other's brains and you actually were so helpful for me when, when in my business, when I was moving, um, I was doing a sales page and stuff. And as much as I like to think that, Oh, I have it all together. I do not like with listening to you. And I sent you like my whole thing. And you're like asking me all these questions. You're like, well, who are you speaking to? Like at these really, really intense. Cause you're very, um, critical is not the right word, but I'm more like airy and spacey as for, I feel like you're very grounded. Uh, and it was funny cause you're like asking me these questions and it really made me think I'm like, right. Okay. Who am I talking to? And that was so beneficial for me. And I'm sure like I helped you in different ways as well, because when you are speaking to somebody who doesn't think exactly like you, or, I mean, everyone thinks differently. Right. So it's just, again, so powerful to like run your ideas by by somebody and have them say like, Hey, that doesn't really make sense for me. Or could you word this a little bit differently or, you know, who be very, very specific. So I think I love actually that you're stepping into this place. Cause I think that I actually said to you as well, I was like, you need to be like business coaching on some level, which I know, I don't know if you would specifically call yourself a business coach. Mm, so first of all, I'm so glad to hear that the feedback was helpful. It was just, it was so fun to just kind of go at it. And I think that I write, it's it's interesting. You said critical and I think I would agree with that, but also maybe like more hyper analytical. I can be very detailed. <laughs> so <are> very detailed, <laughs> yes. which I'm not, I'm like, people will get me. It's all good. But it's, I think it's good to have that view too, because I can definitely be this like analytical, very detail oriented person to a fault. And so I think it's so helpful for me to like be able to back up and see things bigger picture the way that you do and to have maybe more of that, like tune into that emotional resonance more as well. But so I don't, I'm not a business coach, so I don't do strategy, um, like specifically around business or anything like that. Like when I'm working with my corporate girls, it's like more along the lines of, maybe they have a goal around, it could be something where they want to get a promotion or they want to start a side hustle. But in so doing, I'm supporting them more along the lines of creating systems around becoming their highest performing self from a lifestyle perspective. So we'll get into it. But like, again, it's the mindset goals, routines, and boundaries, because definitely strategy is huge. And that's something that I've invested in with my coach, like as a business owner, but especially when you're in corporate and you're, you know, I mean, you definitely are strategizing, you're doing the research, all of those things, but being able to show up actually not feeling completely burnt out is what's going to make probably the biggest difference, arguably, in terms of how far that you can go and the rest of your life. I mean, I know too that, I mean, the reason that I work with corporate girls is because that attracts like women whose brains I understand because I have a very similar brain to it. But again, it is that hyper analytical, that high achieving um, this also applies to entrepreneurial women too, because I know that that's a lot of your listenership. So just that type, that perfectionistic, self-critical, um, but ambitious, so ambitious, but just can very much be their biggest barrier because they don't take no for an answer and they keep going until they get it. They're tenacious. And I respect that. And I also am that, <laughs> but it's like, we can definitely be our own 
own biggest adversary in the pursuit of what we want. Absolutely. I think also everything is a domino effect. And I think we actually discussed this a while ago, but I think it's important to touch on that, um, you know, when you're investing in things into your business or life or whatever, right? Uh, So I think for me anyway, and I don't know if you felt like this in the past, but I always felt like taking a program, I was going to like learn everything. I was just going to have to invest in the one thing and my whole life was going to be changed. But that's absolutely not how it goes. And being somebody who now has invested in multiple pull uh, different investments in my business coaching or programs or whatever. Um, definitely there, there's so many little moving parts that's going to create the overall big picture. So things like having somebody who's going to help you with the mindset uh, and all those little pieces that I, I don't know, for me anyway, seemed quote unquote, less valuable. Um, because I was always like, I need to learn the strategy and this and that, but my, everything starts with your mindset. Everything starts with how you are doing, um, you know, how you're setting up your life, that your routines in your day-to-day basis, basis, that's going to help you set yourself up for success. And I think there's probably two different types of people, either you're me, who's like a complete strategist, or you're somebody else who's like, yeah, I just, I need to like tune in and check in and make sure that we're doing good. And then everything else will flow. I think that both of those two people will eventually meet. And, you you know, at different times, I don't know how to word this, but like at different times, we will figure out that both are very, very, very important pieces. So whether or not you start with the position where you're like, I need to focus on mindset, and then those like, strategic, tangible business steps are going to come after or roles reversed. I know for myself, I was so hardcore on the business and creating a business and my offers and who I'm speaking to and my traction, all that. And now I'm like taking a step back and I'm like focusing on not working as much and making sure that my daily routines are really down pat, focusing on my mindset, focusing on my routines and all of that. So yeah, I think both are very, very, very important. That brings up an interesting point. I don't think I had ever thought of it that way, but I totally agree with you in that there are kind of two primary types, um, just kind of in the business world and how people approach their career. I think for me, I came to the coaching world from such a dark place that I definitely had to start with like that mental, emotional piece first. And it's interesting too, because I think I, I definitely can see where you're coming from with like that mindset piece feels like fluffy and feels like an an afterthought. I know that. I mean, I thought of it that way for a long time too. I'm just like, okay, whatever. And I think partly to blame for that is that the talk in the space around mindset is just so surface level and so redundant that if you, like, if you're not already right there able to like, just really jump into like, I mean, we'll definitely get into it, but I know that for a lot of people, like super positive affirmations aren't always accessible right away. Um, And if that's all you're ever seeing, or if it's all you're ever seeing is like, just be grateful. And like, you're so blessed and all these things. Like if you're someone who's not at a place where you can believe that yet, it just kind of feels like mindset is just, you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and you just sort of think that it's for some other type of person. And so I think in everything that I do and the way that I approach life in general is always trying to bring an alternate perspective to things. And so I think my approach to mindset is a little bit different. And the way that I view mindset is also different because it's, I mean, sure you'll feel better, but it's really like mindset is key because it affects 
like it affects and controls your actions and your actions are what are going to create your results. Like it's not just some nice to have, it's genuinely something that will, it's the make or break piece. Like it is the linchpin of being able to run a successful business. Like you can definitely have never looked at your brain and make a lot of money. Like you can, you can do it. There are humans that do it all the time. And it's always incredible. Like it's fascinating to me that people can do that, but if you really want to build a sustainable business that you can grow and scale or a career that is going to last you and is going to feel fulfilling, that mindset piece is key because strategy doesn't make sense if you can't think about it in the context of your life. Like what's the point of a, like, how does your strategy for your business or your career fit into your vision of your life? If you're not working towards your vision, what are you doing? Like you are running on a hamster wheel and if you ever feel like you're doing all the things, but there's something missing, like the, of course, of course, something's missing. If you're never thinking about any sort of meaning behind it, you're just doing what you think you should be doing for whatever reason you think that it's this idea of like the value of having someone put the pieces together for you and how you've done all these different investments and you're looking for the one thing, but it's never the one thing. And that's definitely been my experience. Like I've invested in like, I did my certification for health coaching, like as a certified health coach, but I've also done some slightly smaller, like in the few hundred dollar range kind of offers, especially for Instagram to help with my marketing, learning about things and finding all these little pieces along the way. But there was so much value in having someone contextualize everything with me. So right now with my one-on-one mentor, um, we are like, everything just kind of makes sense because I have this sort of framework to put things within and, Um, in terms of like, I mean, the value of having a mentor, whether it's one-on-one or group, I think is invaluable. And actually when I initially invested in group coaching or sorry, in coaching, part of it was group coaching. And I've had some of my most incredible epiphanies and breakthroughs and results subsequently from those sessions, because you see, it's almost like when you're in your own brain, sometimes you're so stuck, but then you see someone else's brain get coached on the same thing. And you're like, wait a minute, like (laughs) that's me, but you just couldn't see it. So there is so much value in that for sure as well. Yeah. And well, and sometimes for me, I, I personally learn so much by speaking it out loud. And a lot of the time we're like sitting there and we're like writing down ideas or whatever, but actually just to like explain to somebody who's, you know, paid to listen to you. So they have to listen. So listen, have relaying to them what your ideas are, what your vision is. That's where me, like for me, where I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, right. Okay, that's what I want. That's what I like. Um, and then it all really just comes together. Why don't you tell us why it is that you got into coaching? I I love it. And I I do know a little bit, but I, I really give it to us. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I'll get in the nitty gritty. We've definitely touched on pieces of this before. So how I came to coaching, I think I'll start with my young adulthood, but to preface that I was coming into young adulthood, um, like sort of off the back at the end of high school, coming into that, having really struggled throughout my teenage years. It was one of the darker periods of my life. I've mentioned to you before that I struggled with an eating disorder and I am open about that. So at that point I was starting to recover, but I was still sort of in this space of living a really unhealthy lifestyle. So, I mean, along with the eating disorder too, I, I mean, I was really struggling with um, depression and social anxiety as well, but it's interesting because I think of myself in many regards, I'm a very privileged woman, but 
my brain definitely did not inherit <laughs> very much privilege in terms of the way that it worked for me. Like it just really gave me a hard time from day one, despite having, you know, despite having support, family, things like that. It was just that internal struggle was always so real because I think from a young age, I was really perfectionistic, self-critical. And I think I just always knew that I was capable of more, but I would just get in my own way. And so that's just kind of to contextualize it. But coming into my early adulthood um, around university, I was starting to study. I was getting my bachelor of commerce, um, which I now have, but I was, I kind of traded my struggles with eating for struggles with drinking. So I don't know how much I've talked to you about that before, but I, I am sober now. I've been sober for two and a half years and that's just like, that just brings a smile to my face, but it also makes me kind of laugh because never in a million years would I have thought that I would be sober. I was really, really struggling with that. And basically my life sort of revolved around living in two modes. So on the one hand, I was either like waking up super stressed, just jumping right into work. No, like no self-care, no time for myself, no real ability to focus deeply. I was like so addicted to caffeine. Like that was my life source. Um, I would just go down to Starbucks every day, get like my double espresso macchiato, like caramel macchiatos and multiple throughout the day. And I would just kind of burn myself, like run myself down. It was such a grind. And I was just so focused on trying to get as much work done as possible, but I felt so not good in my body that I did find it hard to focus and hard to like really perform at the level that I wanted to. Um, and then kind of on that same, like hyperactive frenetic energy, I was also like clubbing three or four times a week, staying up until six o'clock in the morning, just like up to no good. Just, it was, I was living in Montreal at the time. And as much as those years there was fun to it, I was, it, I was struggling with the fact that I felt really stuck and exhausted. So I had that one side and then I had the other side of like the come down of that, where I would just, you know, sleep in half the day, hungover and exhausted, like binge Netflix and not get anything done. And in both ways I was underperforming, even though on the one hand it might look, it might've looked like, you know, you were busy, you were out all the time, you were working clubbing, but in both ways, there was no I felt so ungrounded. I just felt like I was floating all over the place. It felt like I was kind of at the whim of whoever and whatever was around me. And the through line and the bottom line of it was just that I felt completely out of control of my own life. I felt out of control with my drinking, still sort of struggling with my eating, although it was better, um, out of control with my behaviors, my thoughts. Oh, my brain. Like, I mean, a lot of the reason I would drink was just to drown out the the stress and the constant self-criticism, like I just wanted to feel okay and I wanted to feel in control. And so that sort of period of my life lasted quite a few years. And then one day I just kind of hit a breaking point and I realized that I was so unhappy living that way and that my life did belong to me, but I just didn't know how to take it back for myself. And I remember one night I was crying on my couch in my apartment in Montreal and I was scrolling through Spotify for whatever reason. And I came across this podcast um, and that's how I ended up finding my first coach that I invested in. I invested in her program and it was, it was, it's funny too, because growing up, 
I never thought anything about life coaching. I, my only sort of association was it was that with it was that my parents would kind of laugh it off. They were just like, oh, life coaching is like so woo woo, whatever. But I found this approach to coaching that kind of covered some of the material that I cover in my work as well. Um, really science-based, uh, based in like a cognitive behavioral approach. And it was just like night and day. I could not believe the difference. Once I had the skills and the steps to actually like wrangle my mind together, I realized how much control I had. Like that feeling that I was searching for with the drinking and with the staying busy and with like emotionally needing all of these like Starbucks caramel drinks every day, like all of those, like just that reactivity dialed all the way down. I started, you know, getting sleep eight hours a night. I started to eat healthy. I ended up getting sober. I quit caffeine. I was able to like get up at six in the morning. I started walking every day and none of it came from this place of like, I hate myself. So I'm going to do all these things to become better. It was like, I just want to be my best and I want to make my vision come to life. And I experienced this energy that was so sustainable and so healthy. Even if I'd had a challenging day, I knew I had my own back and I'd wake up the next morning ready to hit it again. Whereas like last or not last time, but like prior in my, I see it as a past life. I would have been knocked out for weeks. Like a bad day just would have thrown me off, you know, indefinitely. And I was just very all or nothing. So all of that to say, I found it out of a place of real suffering and I never imagined I'd become a coach. And then as time went on, the transformation kept deepening. Like I just kept living this. And then people started to ask kind of how I was so productive or so self-disciplined, et cetera. And I started to realize that this work was so incredibly powerful and that it could bring a different perspective to it. So that's kind of the really long-winded answer as to how I found the work that I did. Well, thank you for sharing that. I I love when people just open up because you know me, I'm just like the open book. So I'm like, yes, give it to us. Give it, give it all to us. Um, it's really funny. This came up for me. My partner is so similar to you and, or your past you, because I see you as somebody, and I actually have this written down on something to talk about is I see you as so like in tune with listening to what you need in the moment. I do not see Katerina being this wild party girl who's like grinding and staying up till 6am. Like I see you so as a grounded person. So it's really funny because uh, I don't consider myself that type of person at all. Like I think I do. I think I'm naturally just kind of balanced. Um, even when things are hectic, I can find balance. I don't know. I, I I totally understood what you were saying when you were talking about feeling, the word wasn't spacey, but I go through that, not feeling grounded, like just going through life and just, you're like, things just don't feel right right now. I'm kind of just like running around and I need, a, I need to do some check-ins, but I do a really good job of being like, okay. And they're, they're really short-lived for me. Uh, but Actually, also really funny when I go for acupuncture, that's something she'll say to me. She's like, I can tell you're just not grounded right now. Like your energy's off. And I'm like, yeah. So we do some grounding work. And like I said, short lived for me and it's easy for me to come back on. But my partner, he's so hilarious. He, he came out, I was sitting on the deck. I was doing some work on, on the deck this morning on the computer and my, he comes out and he's like, oh, I've just been sleeping too much. And he's totally like, he struggled with addiction as well. He's totally addicted to caffeine. Like he goes through these times because he's kind of all or nothing as well. Like he'll be like, drink 
10 cups of coffee a day and, or he'll get really intense into exercise or he'll be like binge eating the thing. He's so skinny. I'm like, how do you, how do you do it? But he's like, <laughs> he can totally just binge. Like we'll sit down and watch TV at the end of the night. And I might have like, you know, I, I half the time actually don't even snack on anything, but he could eat like candy bags and, you know, really, really go into it like crazy. Um, so I think it's that the type of person who has maybe more of an addictive type personality where they are really, really going hard. And then they kind of like come back off of it where they're like, no, I need to do some check-ins and I'm going to do healthy habits. But even him, when he's doing healthy, healthy habits, it's too, um, in my opinion, it's too extreme. Like he'll be running like 10 K a day where I'm like, and then you burn yourself out. (laughs) It's the cycle repeat. So that really came up for me. And I think if somebody's listening to this and you're somebody who resonates with this type of, um, what we're talking about here. I think, I guess if I had a piece of advice and I'd love for you to give a piece of advice for this as well, being somebody who comes from this, but for me being on that a little bit more on the grounded side of things, I would just say like, and I say this, I swear every podcast episode, but you have to literally be checking in and being like, are we good? Like, are we going out and partying nonstop? Are we drinking 10 cups of caffeine? Are we not listening to our bodies? Um, because like we need to do that right now. We're just like craving some fun or do we need to actually check in and be like, are you running away from something? As you said, with your mind, I think my partner does that as well. Like he'll be like, he, he's really deep in thought as well. I feel like you guys are the same person. It's so funny. <laughs> But yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be really in his head and then he'll use little avenues to get away from what's going on in there. I wish like if he were in here, he, he could speak to it, but yeah, it's uh and he actually is funny. I'll always say to him, cause he, he was just saying this to me yesterday. He's like, I, I have such an addictive personality. Like I just am all in no matter what healthier or bad or indifferent. Um, and I'm always like, well, have you like explored why you are that way? Have you thought about it? He's like, no, I haven't thought about it. And I'm like, you literally have to ask yourself questions or hire a coach or go to therapy or like you have to actually physically do the work to move yourself along or else it's probably not going to get any better. Totally. And I think that your advice for it is great. Well, first of all, I'm so happy that that's not something that you experience. I know that there's like a segment of the population that's just like, "Mm, I'm fine. Like I just get up every day and like, I get a little jostled, but like I can bring myself back to center. And I remember like, I remember as a teenager, I would just see like, it was like this idea of mindfulness was starting to become really popular. And everyone was like, you know, like find balance, prioritize balance. I'm like, I just could not roll my eyes hard enough. I was like, balance who and how? Like, (laughs) I just, it is not in my DNA, but it's so funny because I am just always going to be the first proponent for like, you can learn anything because I definitely consider myself to be very level-headed and proactive now. I used to be incredibly reactive, but it is not natural. And I... There's so many beautiful things in this world that are not natural and the ability to cultivate things that we don't naturally possess, I think is like the best part about being human. So definitely um, glad that you haven't experienced that, but I know that a lot of people have. And so your advice is definitely super helpful in terms of checking in. And I think what I would say too, is that like, well, two things came up actually, when you talked about your partner and this idea that he hadn't thought about it before, that actually is really common. And I hadn't really thought about it either before. I thought about it, but (laughs) before I thought about it, it was more like, I was so focused on the behavior. I was like, I just need to stop drinking. I need to stop 
eating this way. I need to like, it was like, Oh, the behavior is the problem where it's like, actually that's symptomatic of something else going on. And so in checking in and being like, are we good? I think that's a really helpful step. And then I think saying like the answer probably is going to be no, if you're being really compulsive with your behavior. And so then from that point, it's like, okay, now what, like, how do we address that? And so I definitely have, I mean, we can kind of talk more about my method in terms of like the mindset goals, habits, boundaries, and how that, or routines, boundaries, and how that relates to, you know, alleviating that sort of all or nothingness. Yeah, definitely get into that. I'm so curious. Yeah. So, I mean, starting with mindset, I'll just kind of give you an overview of like what one version would look like, like what the burnout all or nothing version would look like, and then what it means to engage with it um, in a way that's going to make you feel more energized, more high-performing and more sustainable in your, um, in your engagement with it. So with mindset on the one hand, when you're like in that all or nothing sort of burnout moment, it kind of feels like your thoughts and emotions control you. You kind of feel like you're constantly on this emotional roller coaster. Again, it feels very reactive. It feels like everything around you triggers you. It's like, oh, this person, like this, someone will do something completely innocuous, completely random. And you're like, that was the universe, like sending that to me on purpose, that everything is going wrong and terrible and they hate me. And like, it was a whole plot against me. And I used to be very much like that. I was like, oh, this is a sign of the times. Like I was just, I mean, you know, I kind of love that about myself, but very melodramatic. So it, but it can feel so devastating in the moment because it feels undeniably true. It is just like, it just feels like textbook truth. So it feels like, you know, it's just this very reactive, you're being controlled. Whereas when you come into a mindset, what I call a performance mindset, it's this idea of self-ownership and that I am in control of my thoughts and therefore my emotions and my behaviors. And so this approach is rooted in like a cognitive behavioral approach or that cognitive behavioral science. Um, There's like cognitive behavioral therapy, but then there's like cognitive behavioral coaching, which is the method that I use for mindset. And that essentially shows us that our thoughts are what drive our emotions. So if you were to think the thought um, and like believe it, that's the key too, is like you have to believe the thoughts you're thinking. Otherwise it's just like, it sounds nice, but you're doing nothing. So it's like, you know, I'm like, today's going to be a really great day. You're pro- And you believe that you're probably going to feel pretty positive. But if you say like, I mean, these are just basic examples, but it's like, today's going to be terrible, like because of X, Y, Z, and you believe it, you're compelled probably going to feel some negative emotion there. So that thought creates that negative emotion. And then from that emotional state, that is where we act. That is where we respond to what comes up within us. So when you feel that negative emotion, how likely are you going to, are you going to be to be motivated to, you know, go to the gym and be productive that day? It's probably a lot more inviting to just like lay in bed all day or revert back to old habits for comfort. It's not because you're bad or that there's anything wrong with you, which is what we tell ourselves when we do those habits or do those things. It's that you're human and that you seek comfort from negative emotion. Like we avoid pain. We're wired that way. So it's finding ways and strategies. And that's what coaching's for, but to actually come into questioning those thoughts and shifting them believably and in a way that is lasting. So that's kind of the approach to mindset that I take. And something that I think is a little bit different about it is that it's not so much about like applying positivity on top of negativity. It's like transforming negativity. It's like a subtle shift, but there's nothing more powerful to me than shifting a limiting belief instead of just being like, 
oh, I feel bad. I'm just going to say something positive to make myself feel better. Because a lot of my clients come to me that way. They're like, oh, I, f- I feel bad. So like, how should I push this thought away? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> we want to look at the thought. We don't want to push it away because it's going to come back. Your brain's probably thought that thought, I'm going to conservatively guess a hundred thousand times before our brains are not very original. They repeat the same thoughts all the time. So if you never look at it, it's just going to keep circling, circling the drain, spinning the cycle, whatever, and driving you crazy. And you get your control back by controlling your thoughts. So I'll go through them one by one, but like with con, like you say what you're thinking. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to come in with this actually, because I'm in a program right now about mindset. And one of the analogies or whatever this woman says is you can't split or splitter. Oh my God. I cannot speak today. You cannot sprinkle glitter onto shit. It's not, it's not going to help. You have to Wait, can we press on this podcast. Yes. I, okay. Cause I texted you and you're like, when you said no cussing policy, I thought you meant, Oh no. no, no. Like I swear policy. the shit out of my life. Like, please swear. <laughs> oh fuck. Good. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Have you met me? Like all I do is that's why <laughs> That's so funny. Miscommunication. Miscommunication at its peak. (laughs) That's really funny how things get lost in translation translation too. Because like I'm like, yeah, no cussing policy. Like help yourself. And you're like, yeah, I totally that's so funny. (laughs) No, please, sir. Um, yeah, so you're gonna sprinkle the glit the glitter on the shit. And it's that's you're just gonna have gross shit covered or grit glitter covered shit. And that's not actually going to help. And I think that's a big thing in the manifestation mindset space is that, and I personally think that's a myth. I think you need to work through emotions. I know we talked about this. We've talked about this before, but like, just briefly, I'll touch on this, that we all, no matter who you are, I don't care if you're a billionaire, there are some things in your mind, in your subconscious mind that are deep rooted in there that are not allowing you to progress forward into the things that you want. This could be health. You could be a billionaire with cancer, right? And that that cancer is that, that thought around your health or that you're overweight or whatever. A lot of people I think have money blocks. I think that's a really big one that I see personally in my line of work. Um, but if you're sitting there all day and you're telling yourself like, yeah, I want to make a million dollars next year, but you're only making $3,000 a month. Of course, you're not going to believe you that you're capable of making a million dollars. You need to actually then take a step back and be like, okay, what can we do to help get us to the million dollar goal? Or this could be with anything, right? And then what little steps can we make? What, what little rewiring can I do? Why am I feeling this around money? Is it, um, you know, maybe my parents didn't have a lot of money. Maybe my parents said things like, oh, we, we don't have no money. We can't afford things. No one else in your family is a millionaire. So why would you not be able to? And then a big thing that I like to talk about anyway in coaching that I do is, putting um so the way this is described to me and I loved it it's like picture a little table and you have all of these your beliefs are the legs and your beliefs are what's holding the table in place so we have to actually knock those legs down so that the table can collapse so for me I'll use my body as an example oh I can't lose weight the table is I can't lose weight And all my supporting beams are telling me, oh, well, you've tried this, you've tried that, you've tried that, and nothing has worked for you. But then breaking down those legs, breaking down so things like for me, I've lost 20 pounds before I've been able to do that. That's going to break down a leg. Um, I can't think of anything else specifically at the top of my head. But once we're able to break down those blocks so we can start with a clean slate so that we can build that table back up with the proper legs to then move forward so that we can actually get the result that we want. If we're just trying to, you know, put things on top of that table, it's not going to work. 
you know, those legs, those, those, um, those legs are not going to break down. You actually have to break them down yourself. So making yourself believe putting little holes in your story. That's like, Hey, actually I can actually overcome this. So that, that's what came up for me. I just wanted to chime in with that, that tangent. That was incredible. That's so true. I love that table analogy. I've never heard that before. I also love the glitter shit analogy. That's great. <laughs> and that's so tr- like, that's just such a good example. Like that's one of the best ways to kind of counteract those limiting beliefs is like poking holes in them. And like, I, like I said, at the beginning, I'm like a very hyperanalytical, like critically thinking logical person. And so for me to just find ways to actually like, I need to believe what I'm saying with that kind of stuff. Like I'm not very airy fairy with it, but like you said, like finding those examples of I've done this before in some capacity, like, oh yeah, even just before I came on the podcast, like all the way real, like sometimes you know, you're like, you're doing something new, something different. You just have thoughts about like, how's it going to go? Like, what if I do this? What if I do that? And for me, like, I just, like, I thought of an example recently where I was like, I had talked on this thing for coaching and it went really well. And I was like, I've killed this before. Like I've done this before. And so like, and I believe that, and it created this feeling in me that I was like, really excited to get on here. And I'm like, I love Emily and like, I love talking and love when we talk. So it, it was just creating this foundation for a different table. I like that leg analogy. It's like still in my brain. Yeah. And there was something else you said in there that really stood out to me. I want to, I want to chime in with this actually as well, because even if like for me, because I have such limiting beliefs around my body. Um, so I would, I told myself, Oh, I'm able to lose 20. I've lost 20 pounds before, but then there's always like, okay, are other people losing weight or are other people making a million dollars or what, like whatever you're trying to break the legs down on, um, look around you too. If it's possible for somebody else, that means it's possible for you. You aren't just like got the shitty end of the stick because your world fucking sucks. It's like, other people are doing it. So you, you can have that as well. So I wanted to touch on that as well, because there are some beliefs that are so deep rooted where you're not actually ever going to have any positive things you can look at to be like, Oh, well, I've made $2,000 in my business. Maybe you've made $0, but are other people making $2,000 in their business. So I just wanted to add that as well. That is so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's another tool that I love. So, so helpful. Um, and that's one that I've used so many areas of my life Oh, that's so good. I love that one because you're right. Like there are those instances where it's like, you're just not in a place where you have that evidence, but you can outsource that. And like, I mean, for me, it's coming to the point where now I'm like growing and scaling my business and I'm not at the point of 10 K months yet, but I want to be. And so it's like finding those external examples and seeing like, you know, other people have done this before. Other women have done this before, even getting really specific, like other women in my age cohort and my niche <laughs> have done this using Instagram. Like that is so specific. And that is just like, if you can like the more specific, I think the more potent even, cause it's like directly tailored to your situation, but that's so good. Yeah. I love that. And I am happy that we brought that up. Okay. So you have your other tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of, and you said something actually that connected to goals earlier too, but just that idea of breaking things down. So moving on from the mindset, once we have that foundation, that really is like the foundation of my work, but it's the idea that once you're able to control those thoughts, emotions, actions, you're kind of unstoppable. And so moving into goals, the idea of how it links to like a high performance lifestyle is that your goals are what will stretch you to your full potential and are what are going to bring you into alignment with your vision. So it's like creating that congruency between your day-to-day life and then the vision that you have for yourself. I think I mentioned earlier too, that like I'm very vision based. So like the whole high performance lifestyle method is 
very much rooted in your vision, because if you're not working towards your vision again, like what are you doing? So it's having those goals and then just like the level of specificity with them. Cause I feel like it's really easy to be like, I want to get healthier or I want a promotion. I want to make more money. Um, I want to start a side hustle. I want to be more confident. Like those are sort of the larger goals that we have. So being able to really make them concrete, break them down and like there's like the goal and there's the tasks that make it up. So that's kind of like what we focus on there. And so I would say, if you're somebody who is feeling like very all or nothing with it, with your big goals, like to break them down and then, well, I mean, the mindset piece is like just key because mindset touches on all of them, but making them really tangible instead of just like, not only tangible, but make them so easy that you can't say no. Like make it almost tempting to take that one step. Because for me, at least if I were to start like working on a new goal in my past life before I was like, before I learned this, I would have just like done, like just been balls to the wall crazy. Like I just would have done all of the things at once. Like if I wanted to start a new morning routine, I remember doing this too. Like as a teenager, I was like, I need to start a perfect morning routine. And I would like try to wake up like three hours earlier and then do yoga and then do breath work and then meditate and then do morning pages and then do affirmations and then read. And I was like, this is way too much at once. Like if you want to get there, fantastic. If you don't also fine, but just making it like being clear, write it out, all those tasks and then implement them in a way that's like doable. So, but the main point of that is to be reaching your full potential by bridging your, like your goals with your vision. So yeah, yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on like kind of goal setting and like implementation of the tasks along with them. Yeah, actually really funny. And again, it's just, it's so cool that we think so differently because, and you know, I, I recently have been learning a little bit more about human design and I know just from speaking to you 100% that you are a specific manifester and I am a non-specific manifester. Um, so manifesting like whatever, you don't have to use that term, but just being super specific or non-specific, you can think about it this way. Um, somebody's listening to this and you're like, don't believe in manifestation or whatever. Um, but it's really, it's really interesting because I've always really struggled with goals. And this is where my brain goes. And I think this is where coaching is beneficial because for me, I actually was literally doing this this week, this week. So I'll just use random numbers, but, um, say like the goal is to make a million dollars in my business, right? Maybe that's in a year's time from today's date till next year, I'm going to make a million dollars. It's really, I struggle with the specific numbers because I'm like, well, okay, million dollars is cool, but what's the feelings that a million dollar business is going to give me? Am I going to feel more um, successful? Am I going to feel better in my body walking around and knowing that I'm a, a million dollar business owner? Um, what, like, what else would come up for me? Like making these like small little steps in my business to get to that million dollar goal. So say it's $3,000 every single month in my business. And then it's like, well, then I'll go through moments where I'm like, well, is $3,000 enough? It should be $10,000. And I, I get, I, I personally really struggle with those specific goals. So I think that again, like it's, I'm all about feelings and like writing those things down. I find them actually really limiting. Uh, but I think that goals are a really important piece. I think some people just do better with goals uh, than me. And I think that that's when, again, when you're speaking out loud, uh, what's coming up for you? What what thoughts are going through your mind? What types of numbers of money that you would like to see or whatever the goal is? That's when it's going to help you move through and be able to actually 
create specific goals that actually make sense because totally was $3,000 too little was $10,000 too much. Let's meet in the middle, right? Like it's, I think that being able to speak with somebody about your goals is really, really critical if you can't do it on your own, because like I said, I'm, I'm like all over the place and different thoughts on a different day. And yeah. So yeah, I think Garrett's such a goal person as well. Like you guys are just the same. (laughs) (laughs) I need to meet this man. (laughs) It's funny. No, that's, I love that you brought that up though, because I think when I talk about goals too, what I'll say first is that everyone can definitely, like there are so many different ways to set goals. And that's so funny that you talk about human design too, because I don't know if it's, I feel like it's so obvious whenever I speak, but like, I'm not like a very woo person, but oddly, I really like human design. I find it very interesting. Um, And it's just kind of a different lens for me. And I'm always open. Like, I never want to be dogmatic about my beliefs. I always want to be open to hearing different ways of doing things. But with, I think that's really smart when you say like to focus on the feeling for me, the specificity and for my clients too, like, again, we're that hyper analytical type. And so like having, it's just like the clarity, because for me, I like a lot of my life, my work and my time I spend is around creating clarity and creating the most amount of certainty that I can for myself. And so in making goals tangible, I'm able to create that clarity and that certainty. Like if I were to say, for example, I wanted to make a million dollars in my business next year, which I mean, that's a bit of a jump, but we'll get there. But (laughs) if I were to say that, for example, and I didn't have a strategy behind it, or if I didn't like, if I couldn't see it mapped out visually, there would be so much ambiguity that it would like freak me out. But I think that's smart in that when you initially set those goals and when you work on them, you need to have that mindset piece of like, how do I want to feel? Like, what is the purpose of doing this? Because it's only in connecting to that that you're actually going to get there. The goals are more like a logistics piece that like, it's the mindset that's like the the real engine of it. And so, yeah, I guess it, it just depends like on how specific you want to get. But again, the method is not like, it's not, I mean, it, it's structured, but it's flexible. So it'll adapt to how, like wh- whichever client, like they want to do it, everyone's going to have that different level. So if they were to be into human design and they were like a non-specific, like you can, you know, you can work around goals in a way that feels better for a non-specific. I also think those non-specific manifestors or specific manifestors will, they'll just shine through and how they, how they talk about their goals and I mean, exactly that it, it will just be, or I'm sure that it is very customizable to how they, they choose to set their goals. I also think it's funny because they both have the same, like in my mind, how I, how I was taught and how I am just, I'm going to attempt to relay this is that specific manifestors, they, it's they, essentially the same things come up. Specific manifestors will create the goal and through that goal, feelings will come through. As for a non-specific manifester has the feelings come through and then the goals are created. So it's essentially the same thing. It's just reversed. That's a really interesting lens. I think because of the way that I look at mindset and I just see it like from the thought first perspective, like it's like, that's the way I frame it. But that actually makes sense because I think maybe if like we were to use terms that everyone uses, the specific would be like, quote unquote, less emotionally driven and more like, oh, this is like the thing that I want. I mean, it is emotionally driven because whether you know it or not, your emotion is driving your desire for that thing. But maybe that the non-specific would be like the quote unquote, like feely type or like the, you know, the like gushy kind of like not gushy, but like (laughs) the one that 
wants to feel a certain way and then like designs their life around it kind of. So actually I have a perfect example for this. So Caitlin, we both know Caitlin. Um, She is totally a specific manifester. I don't know, like she hasn't done her chart, but I know that she is because how she Matt quote unquote manifest things in her life or how she gets things that she wants, wants, she will literally draw them out. Like she built a home recently and she, she was like, I literally drew my deck that I am sitting on today. My plants, the way the stairs went, my brain, if somebody was like, Emily, you got it. Cause we're doing a kitchen renovation right now. Um, I do not know what my kitchen's going to look like at the end result. I have no idea. I know you're probably going to die. I don't know. I know where the appliances are going. You know, the cabinets have come in. So it's starting to come together, but I can feel myself in that kitchen without knowing how it's going to look. And I don't really give a fuck how it's going to look. I know that it's going to come together. So I think that's just to look at those two different types of people, exactly how different that can be. And it's funny because when Caitlin explains things about her deck, I'm like, I, that would stress me out so much for somebody to be like, Emily, draw your kitchen out. And this is exactly how it's going to be. I could never. This is enlightening. And I'm so glad that we're getting onto this because I think there's such beauty in both models, but I didn't even, yeah, I think that's so fascinating, such a perfect example. And I can add to that because I actually just redid my office space and I redid my room space and I I'm Caitlin also, cause I drew everything out. I made a list of all the things I was going to purchase. Like everything was like systematic because for me, not planning it out would stress me out. Whereas for you, hyper planning would stress you out. So it's like, cause it's never about the strategy. It's about the way that it works with your brain. It's like, that's why I think even circling way back to what we were talking about, but when you're so fixated on strategy with whether it's business or your like your career in corporate or whatever, if you're so fixated on that, you're going to get like caught in the weeds and you won't see, I never understood this expression until like recently, but you won't see the forest for the trees because you're going to be so caught up. And like, if I don't do this strategy, it's going to be wrong. Or if I do this strategy, it's going to be wrong. It's like, it's not about the strategy. It's about the feeling behind it because of like how your mindset is with it. So yeah, finding that strategy that works for you is so important. That's so interesting. You don't know what your kitchen's going to look like. This is just fascinating, but I know it's going to be beautiful. I know it is. And I know Katarina's you're gonna... Katarina's dying. Katarina's <laughs> dying. Caitlin like, came over. A little bit dying, but. Caitlin <laughs> came over uh, on Wednesday or Tuesday or something. And she comes in and she's like, oh my God, tell me everything. Like where, and I said to Caitlin, I was like, you know, how the house just like, I think my house just has a personality and that personality will shine through. Honestly, she's like, you don't have a, <laughs> I have like, of course I have like a, a generalized plan. But I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just going to come to be and I'm okay with it coming to be. There's something beautiful about that. Cause to me, that's like such an interesting expression of like radical trust. Like you just trust the process. You trust that your mind's going to bring you or whatever your belief system is, or the universe is going to bring you or the house is going to bring you what needs to be. I think that's so interesting. And I really think that's a nice way to walk through the world is believing that like what comes up will fit what needs to be done. Well, I also think I'm like, is it that or is it laziness? But no, it, it's again, it's a, it's a stress thing for me that I just because here's where my mind goes. Um, I love the idea of this this kitchen sink. I know the exact one that I want, but we ordered our kitchen cabinetry with you know everything planned, but the kitchen cabinet that we that we bought is a little bit too big for that specific type of sink. 
So then I think for me, instead of getting so worked up because in a renovation or in an office, you know, for you, you're like, oh, I love everything I'm going to order. Maybe they're out of stock or maybe the color wasn't in that you wanted. And I know for me, like I am definitely that type of person. I could be like, oh, I wanted that fucking sink. Like I, my kitchen will not. And I said to Garrett, I was like, you know, if I can't have that sink, we're going to be okay. But would I prefer to have that sink? Like, can we do what we can to make that sink happen? But yeah, I think like, I don't want to let myself down. Um, and that's maybe something I need to work on as well, because maybe it's like, no, you just have to make it happen for you. Like you can have that sink if you want to have that sink. <laughs> I think I just, it's so interesting that you have that natural balance. I have the natural like stubbornness. Like when I want something, I'm just like, well, there's no, there's no option. Like I remember even growing up whenever anyone said, maybe I was like, oh, that means yes. Like just in terms of like going after things that I wanted, but, um, that's so interesting too, with the, oh, what did you just say about the, the kitchen sink, the kitchen sink. And like, oh yeah, you said like, if I, like, if I didn't have it, I'd like, I'd be fine. And that's incredible. Cause for me that like, that took coaching to get to the point where I was fine. Cause like now it's like, I can go after what I want and be level-headed while I do it. Whereas, and I feel like a lot of my clients are like that. It's like needing to learn how to take that ambition and make it like sustainable and livable because before it's like, if I couldn't get the sink, I would have been like a wreck for like a month. So well, and I know that people listening are like me. Some of them are like you. Some of them would have been a wreck about the sink. I promise. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no. And I absolutely agree. I think this is just me trusting that the space is going to come together. Like I genuinely am just like whatever. And also because it's not our dream home, like um, it's not the end of the world. This isn't, this is eventually hopefully going to be, um, a rental. So, um, as much as we're making that the space, as much as like something that we want, it's like, it's not going to be the end of the world for me, you know? So, and just being okay with it. Yeah. Okay. What's your next step in the coaching? Yeah. I love our little kitchen sink detour. (laughs) Okay. Um, the next step. So I think about goals in a way of like something higher level that brings you towards that vision. Um, the next step is routines. And I see that as either, depending on what your goal is, your routines can either be like a direct support of your goals. So like maybe one habit in your routine is like a task from your goal. Like you see how like methodical I am <laughs> so, or your routines can be like in a more circuitous way supportive. So for example, if your goal is to get a promotion, maybe in your morning routine, you like do like the mindset method that we use in my coaching or you use or you do like your gratitude journal or whatever. So maybe that's not like a direct step that's going to tick something off your goal for your promotion, but it's something that's going to allow you to create those feelings that are going to drive you towards achieving that goal. And so your routines are basically there to help you create like this state of peak productivity to keep going sustainably for your goals to get to your vision. And what I'll say about routines too, is like, I focus primarily on the morning and the night routine because those are like the two bookends of productivity. So your morning routine would be designed to help you focus for the day, whereas your night routine is more designed to help you process the day's information. And I feel like that's really underrated. I mean, morning routine gets a lot of airtime. We've heard about the magic of the morning routine from literally everyone. It's almost like a little bit fetishistic at this point, how much people are obsessed with it. But the night routine also gets airtime, but the idea that it's for processing the day's information and for like being able to like have space in your brain to think about what happened, I think is not talked about very much. Like people, like if you were to watch people's night routines or like to hear about them or listen to them, like, you know, sometimes it'll be 
like journaling or something like that. But very, very seldom is it like, I just eat like kind of in my own space and I don't watch TV or I don't basically like giving yourself a space to process what happened that also boosts your concentration and your cognitive capacity, which will help you be more productive as well. Cause you kind of, it's like passive problem solving, but it feels very restorative. So yeah, the routines support the goals either directly or indirectly and are for that focus or processing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I so agree. I think I naturally had do a morning routine that feels good for me. I've had very strict morning routines and I've had a little bit more laid back morning routines. I'm totally in a laid back morning routine as right now. Um, I love nighttime routines. Like it, it could be as simple as like, yeah, taking time for you to go read a book or have a bath. Um, and I think whether or not, I, I mean, especially for women, cause you're dealing with women and whether or not they have kids. Like I know my sister has kids and a nighttime routine can get, it's very easy to, you know, be giving it all your work, be giving it all of your time at home. Um, and it can get exhausting. So I think the nighttime routine is very important. Totally. And it's like that ability to kind of clock off. I feel like, especially whether you're in corporate or whether you're self-employed or you have your own business, it's so easy to never clock off and to never actually, you know, take a moment or like kind of create this mental physical delineation between like right now I'm working and right now I'm not working. Um, I think it's definitely even more complex if you have children, but it's definitely like, there are so many ways that you can create more space for yourself. For me, a lot of the women that I work with um, don't have children, um, but it's, you know, whether you do or not, it's a matter of like, there's that flexibility again. And the way that goals are flexible, the routines are flexible. And like you said, just having that space at the end of the day is so important because that, that I think is a huge contributor to burnout. I mean, among many things, but never feeling like you get to clock off or never feeling like you have time off or time to yourself. That's just exhausting. We're not designed to operate that way. Well, and I've actually heard this get brought up recently quite a bit. And people were talking about how, when we have a business, like whatever fitness business, what all these things in our lives, um, usually we, are still continuing to make everything else work perfectly. And it's ourselves, our self-care, our routines that really, you know, they're, they're the ones who are going to, we're going to half-ass or not do, or not, you know, go get, go get your hair done or do the things that feel good for you. Um, but we're still filling everything else's cup. So the business is still going to flourish and your health is going to still flourish or whatever it is. Right. So I think that's really an important piece that I think it's, um, amazing that so many people are talking about. I think it's amazing too. It is so important. And I think just the importance of being aware of the thoughts that drive that kind of behavior just cannot be overstated because I think a lot of that comes out of like guilt, especially because you see it more with women, this idea of like, especially mothers as martyrs, just women in general, this idea of like, if women suffer, everyone else benefits, like the children, the husband, et cetera, society. It's like, if women are just like, breaking their backs for whatever everyone else is going to benefit. But I think that couldn't be further from the truth. And even the idea that like the business is flourishing, the household is flourishing. Like, is it really though? Like if, if we look closely, like how much, I mean, maybe it is at the level we're used to, but what if it could be 10 times that if you've actually felt good about yourself and what if it were actually, you know, what if it were actionable to make yourself feel better and to create that space for yourself? Like it was, I think just making this seem accessible is so important. Like this idea of like a high performance lifestyle being inseparable from 
self-care I think is really important. And then I guess if we get into that last one a little yeah. bit with boundaries. So boundaries, the way that I talk about it, I'm referring specifically to time boundaries. It's less about like, I guess, emotional relationship boundaries. Um, I mean, it could sort of extend into that, but I think my realm is more like, how do you spend your time? And so this idea of like having boss boundaries is when you don't get sucked into like just time wasters and things that you really don't want to be spending time on, but you find yourself always spending time on or like never being able to say no to things. I know that that's a huge one. People pleasing. A lot of my clients are people pleasers and they're like, they're aware of it, but it's just, again, that's why mindset applies to all of them. It's like being able to apply that approach to boundaries. And so again, the approach fairly systematic, but in looking at your week, it's, you can see like, often if you look ahead at your week's calendar, you might see like certain events or certain appointments that are kind of like, they feel a little bit icky when you look at them. You're like, oh, not looking forward to that. And often things like that, that anticipation stress, we end up wasting a lot of time on that because when we're stressed, I mean, we can do everything from procrastinate, like doom scrolling, cleaning when we want to be working, like all of these things. And if we ahead of time, look at those things, know that we feel that way. And then we're able to like, to change our thoughts, use the mindset approach. And we just, we cut out all the middle drama. You can literally save hours a day. Like I remember when I first started coaching, it was like, once I stopped, you know, once I knew how to stop procrastinating and stop dreading things and stop getting sucked into, you know, different things that would grab me, having that control back of my thoughts allowed me to set boundaries with my time and be like, no, I'm just, I'm not going to like scroll on Instagram for four hours or like, you just don't get sucked into it anymore. And you just feel so there's such structure to your days and your weeks yet such liberation as well. I mean, actually a mentor of mine, um, in my mastermind, um, Jen Kem, she talks about this idea of like structure is freedom. And I just think that's so true. Like whether it's, I mean, structure can look so many different ways, but, and I mean, Brene Brown says this too. And I just think it's so beautiful. It's like, boundary people are compassionate people, or it's when you have those boundaries, whether it's with yourself or other people, you have so much more space to experience yourself, experience humanity. And that's going to bring nothing but high performance. Like, I think there's also this false belief that like, I only perform well if I'm stressed or if I'm like under pressure, whereas the opposite is actually true. Stress makes us tunnel visioned and it's being in like a grounded nervous system place that's going to allow you to just like hit your peak productivity like you never thought possible. I was having an interesting conversation with my partner about this actually, um, because I just naturally do well juggling things, throwing this in. I'm a, uh, oh my God, what are they, what are they called? Gener- generator, man- manifesting generator or something in human design. So we do a lot of juggling, but it's really, we do well with that. Um, but it's really interesting because a lot of my coaching clients that I work with, they totally need more boundaries too. Like I, I find myself doing little check-ins with my coaching clients and I'm like, Hey, like what's going on guys? Like, you know, especially with the online course creation, um, it's like, Hey, you know, get this done. You know, you want to, you know, I, I do, um, I believe that people can get their online courses out within three to four months. And a lot of the time people are, and I, I'm, I'm definitely open-minded to understanding that people work differently and their life comes in. And I, I, you know, I can sit down and I can grind and I can get, you know, my courses out there really quickly if I need to. Um, but yeah, totally. I think people need boundaries. My, one being myself too, because sometimes I go a little too grind. 
uh, where it's like, okay, you need to remember just to like to enjoy life. <laughs> and then of course it's like, I'll grind for like a couple, a month or two just to get it, get it done. And then I'll, you know, go, go off and take that time to enjoy doing the things I want to do. Um, but yeah, I think definitely when it comes to having goals in our business, uh, or in corporate or whatever it is, um, having things that you actually, you're, you make them a priority. You need to get this done and then making it so that those boundaries, yeah, maybe you're not watching an hour of TV every single night with your partner. Maybe you're going to spend that hour working on your business. Um, and you might have to do that for a little bit of time or, you know, long-term, but if it's going to help you get to your desired outcome, it's going to be way better than sitting there and being like, well, I'll just like work on it every once a month for 10 minutes. You're never going to get it done. And then you're constantly going to be stressing over the fact that you haven't got it done. And, you know, it's, it's just going to continue on like that. So I definitely agree. And I didn't, I never really looked at that with boundaries before, but I'm going to bring that to a, to a group coaching session with my girls. Cause I'm like, Hey, you guys set some boundaries, uh, to be able to get your work done. Yeah. I would love to hear how that goes. And also, I think that was such a great point about, you know, maybe trading that hour of Netflix for the, the hour of work. And I think it's interesting because when I talk about healthy hustle, it's like, that's kind of what I'm talking about is this idea of like, you're trading it, but it's not just arbitrary. It's not out of guilt. It's not like, oh, I should be working more. Or I'm wasting time if I watch the Netflix or whatever. It's like, no, like I'm working towards my vision. I want this. And I mean, the entire methodology together is designed for doing that, working that hour, a night, extra, whatever. It's designed for it not to feel like shit while you're doing it because it doesn't have to. I think there's so much like false sense of, oh, working more feels bad or doing X feels bad. It's like nothing feels bad just as is like everything's sort of like it depends on how you interpret it. Like you could find that extra hour of work to be incredibly energizing. And again, I'm not advocating for hustle culture or anything like that. It's like Healthy hustle is so different. And like, again, it's not going to be for everyone. Like some people are fine with just like, you know, working kind of a job they are okay with and just sort of that complacency. But I know that you're not, I know the women listening are not. And I know that my clients are not like we, like, it's not even that it's not like a better way of being, but it's just looking statistically. If you want to be above the average in various ways, you will have to do above the average, but it can also feel above average to do those things. Like it doesn't have to feel worse to do better. It really doesn't. And I think that's, that's what I discovered in doing my work. And I was like, and doing this on myself, doing it with clients. And it's just, it's so incredible to watch because it's, it's so subversive too, to see like the power that women can take in achieving big things while still feeling good. Like that to me is so powerful and things that they're choosing and that they want just for the sake of you know, it'll better other women's lives too, but yeah, it's just powerful to watch women feel good and do big things and just break all the old narratives. I love this. And you know what, like a little, I don't get too much into the story behind it, but when I was building my first online course, that was the best that I've probably felt in a very, well, I don't want to say like my whole life, but in my business because I was so aligned with what I was doing, coming in and sitting at my computer desk and making, not making myself work, but just being like, yeah, but yeah, like it felt so good for me to be in my office and to very much be high performing. And then when I started selling and seeing the, you know, the numbers actually coming in, I was like, I'm on fucking fire. And I felt actually really cool to be 
uh, surrounded by people, but also I'll say men that I was like, yeah, look at me go motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed. It's so good. Oh, that just that whole, that whole story is everything. I think it just, I think that's so powerful that you felt so good while doing it too. And that it was just like this, just this shining example of like, when you like are able to listen to yourself and get yourself on board and like have, I mean, it's a level of self-discipline, but it, it's so self-loving. It really is. I also think it's really important to note this as well, that again, for the people who get into doing things in their business, that it doesn't feel aligned. You're not going to want to sit there and do the work. For me, it just felt so good. And that's where I knew that I was like, I'm on the right path here. Some people I know absolutely will need a lo- that discipline. Um, but when it feels good, you guys, like you should actually really enjoy doing it, like working and, you know, making these things happen in your life, moving towards the goal. Like that's, that's really exciting. And I was willing to take the time out of my life. And now, like I stated before, I've definitely was in like the hustle and now I'm trying to slow down and focus more on like meditating. And now I do have forms of passive income. So I don't actually have to spend a lot of my time physically working. So now I'm like, okay, I now know that I can feel okay to step back. I don't need to always be hustling. Now I'm going to step back into a place where like, I can just, you know, sit in the garden or or going to the beach in the middle of the day. And like that, that's something that I was able to achieve because I did go into that hustle mode where I was able to get things done, where it still felt really good. Absolutely. And what I'll say too, about like a high performance lifestyle is that like, while healthy hustles, part of it, like that aligned action towards your vision. It's like your vision is still the base of it. And I think high performing is when you're achieving your goals, you know, are you achieving your goals? You have your you have your routines that support you, you set your boundaries and you've got your performance mindset. And so whether that looks like going to the beach and sitting in the garden or, you know, working on your course for several hours, it's like either way, like that is you at your highest performing self in congruency with your vision. Like that's, it's not so much about what you, I mean, of course it's more like what you accomplish as a byproduct of being so like centered in yourself in a way that's like, actually conducive to you being able to get things done. It's like that feeling good with strategies and steps, you know, in a science-backed way, like that is what's going to lead you to performance of all kinds, not only in work. Okay. So at the end of every episode, I always like to ask everybody what they think that their best and their worst quality is. So what do you think that yours are? First of all, I love that question. It's such an interesting one. So I think that my best quality, and this one's actually like something that I've always had and something that I didn't always think was my best quality, but I think it's my curiosity. Like I just have such a deep insatiable curiosity for both myself and my experience and also like the world around me. And I think the two are such mirrors of one another. Like I think it's just so interesting to see that the more I go into myself, the more I'm able to practice like deeper self-love, the more that I'm able to see the world is beautiful. Like the more beautiful I think I am in like, I, I mean a deep beauty, like a, just like this, this like primal animal beauty, like the more that I see that reflected around me. And I think just curiosity in terms of understanding why are things the way they are? Do they have to be that way? And 
understanding people's reasonings behind things. I think there's like, I mean, decision-making science is something that just is so fascinating to me. So that curiosity lends itself really well to coaching. It's actually interesting too, because I mean, I just love talking to people. I could talk to people all day. I'm definitely going to be starting a podcast, hopefully later this year. But I think just this idea of like listening to people's stories just really gets me. But I had someone once I was talking to them and they were like, you should be a reporter. You're like, ask such interesting questions. I'm like, I ask interesting questions because I'm curious. Like you have to ask good questions if you want good answers. So I think curiosity would be my best quality. My worst quality, this is an interesting one. I think, I think my worst quality is probably that I can be a little bit ruthless sometimes. And by ruthless, I mean, I mean, it's values aligned for me. So it's like, I'm all about making clean decisions. But if, for example, I, you know, I don't want to do something or I'm not growing in a particular relationship anymore, or especially with stuff or like I could get rid of, I could sell everything I own without thinking twice. Like I'm just very emotionally detached from things. It's not on a level that's like, you know, sociopathic or anything, but it's just, I think I have this level of, if I don't want it, I'm not going to have it. And I think that that's probably my worst quality because I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand. And maybe sometimes they mistake it for me being cold. I'm not cold. I'm just decisive. And so just being a little bit ruthless. I think I'm also, I don't see it as a loss, but I do miss out on the sort of like Greek tragedy that is being really invested in life's day-to-day things. Like I've just become a little bit more unflappable, but I remember I used to feel more up and down and less ruthless like it's sort of been a developed quality but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it but yeah just maybe a coldness or mistaken for coldness I think I think that's not a bad thing but I get what you're saying it's actually something that me and a couple of my friends have talked about lately um because I think that I used to be a little bit more blunt and a little bit more I think I can be cold as well um, a lot of my friends in my friend group were earth signs. So I think we naturally are just a little bit more cold, even though I do have like a very, I personally think I have a, a really big warmth to me that I have, I think worked on because I used to not be, I think I used to feel like it was really cool to be, uh, blunt and speak my mind and get my thoughts out there. And I definitely had some things that I had to learn from with that. Um, but I think that coldness can come from so many different things. And my, one of my really good friends, she's so beautiful and she's so smart and she has a really good career. And she is so funny because she's like, I think people think I'm a bitch. And I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that. And she's like, but it's honestly, I don't talk a lot and I've, I'm really standoffish because I'm really uncomfortable speaking in, in group settings. And I was like, that's really funny. As for me, I think sometimes I can just be in my own head or I'm just doing my own thing. So then sometimes I don't think about, oh, how just is somebody feeling comfortable right now? What can I do to make that person feel more comfortable? So then I think I could be cold or I have another friend and she's just really quite shy and takes a little bit for her to warm up. And then again, it comes off as coldness. So I think, I think it just really, it really depends. And I'm, I'm such a vibes person, like everyone I think people connect in different ways 
And certain people will make you feel certain ways about yourself unintentionally. It's just how we are and how everyone's connecting on a different level. So yeah, that that's just really interesting with why with you that you think that you're cold. Cause I think I can totally be cold. It's because you're a Scorpio rising and Scorpio risings can kind of be. <laughs> I think, well, first of all, the listeners should know that you have an exceptional talent for reading people's like astrological signs without needing to know what they are. It's absurd. She's like, that's not my realm. That's not, that's not my group, not my, my crowd, but she gets it. She knows all the signs and she can guess anyone's sign. She guessed mine to a T. I was like a little bit stunned. She knew my human design too, but it's interesting too, because what that brought up for me, when you were talking about like the coldness, there's always a nuance to it. You're right. Like coldness or like maybe a bluntness or a ruthlessness as I described it like that can like come off different ways depending on who embodies it and depending on the situation it can either be a good or a bad quality or maybe or maybe neither it's like it's so interesting when we think of what constitutes like your worst quality because it's a lot of it is like context dependent too it's there's a lot of like room to play with that I think also Maybe part of that ruthlessness and that idea of like seeing things through to an end, I can definitely, like my tendency is perfectionistic to the point where like, I will not put the thing out there that I'm trying to do because it's not perfect enough. But I've, again, it's something I work on all the time. So yeah, just like, I guess to like encapsulate it, it's like this idea of like having a pit bull brain, like your brain will clench onto something and like not let it go. And so just that blunt, ruthless again, could be a good or a bad thing, depending. I mean, I think, I think it's funny because I think that all, every time I listen to everyone on this podcast, tell me what they think that their best and their worst quality is. And it's always funny for me because I'm like, well, neither is like, yeah, neither good nor bad, right? It's like, we're all just people. We all are. But the reason why I actually ask people that is because I think it's important to have a little bit of a deeper understanding about why the way, why we are the way that we are. Um, and I think it, it's becoming self-aware because I think that that's something my mom, I like love her to death, but she's like definitely the most unself-aware person. And I think that having an apparent that is super not self-aware, um, you will get very self-aware, uh, um, children, because I think that naturally the, that the children need to become super hyper self-aware. I think you're onto something so chillingly accurate about the whole thing of children needing to be really self-aware that's wild I'm sure Uh, people are gonna be like oh (laughs) well and actually our generation too I think that a lot of us are just more naturally self-aware but I think it's just really cool too actually one of the projects that we did in high school I don't know if you ever had to do this but it was like a basically a scrapbook about yourself and that was a really cool transformative uh no one took it seriously but I for some reason took it very seriously and it asked a lot of questions like what was the most exciting day that you spent or um who's like very inspirational to you and I think that it's just cool to like yeah just check in to be like yeah who is who am I inspired by who what like what makes me happy what day what a part about that day made me so happy and grateful so so yeah I think it's I think it's just fun to ask people questions and get to know because every Everyone thinks differently and everyone's just so unique. Oh, I mean, I, I know that first of all, I would have taken that project very seriously too. It would have been you and I just, I would have been scrapbooking away. And like, honestly, I'm never going to say that <laughs> I'd be a pretty fucking terrible coach. If I was like self-awareness, ew, no, we're not going to do that. Like, <laughs> I just, I mean, it's so interesting though, because self-awareness is never not going to be helpful in no situation. Will that not benefit it? So I, yeah, I love that so much of what you do is like directed around that. Yeah. 
I think it's important. Yeah. And I mean, I think I definitely, one of my bad qualities is that I think I'm overly aware and then I'll leave a situation and I'm like, did that make that somebody, did that make somebody feel not good or could I have worded that differently? Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's hard. And I th- I'm working on being like, you know what? My intentions were pure. I know my intentions were pure and I'm stepping away. So it's just, I mean, again, but through that being aware that I was over hyper, hyper aware and so concerned about how everyone else is feeling that I'm like, you know what? No, we're going to move away from that. And I'm going to work on that so that I can protect myself because what it was is I was giving too much of my energy. So I need to step into making sure that, that we're good. That's so interesting too. And that's actually something that comes up with my clients is like this idea of like, I'm worried how I made other people feel, but, and when we look at the, like the cognitive behavioral model, we see that like, it's our own thoughts that create our feelings. It's not like free range to go and be an asshole, but it's like understanding that you cannot control other people's emotions. Like you, even if your intentions are so incredible and you do the thing that you think is going to make them feel something, they could feel nothing. Or you could be kind of like terrible and they could be like, oh, they're just the best. Aren't they sweet? And it's like, it's just, it really, it really is the way that that person's coming at it because of their own thoughts. So I think it's very easy to be, you know, concerned about, oh, what if this happened? But I would I would wonder maybe if the wondering what if is not like we, I just wonder how accurate sometimes our read is of how we made other people feel. Because I used to think all the time, like I knew exactly how I was making other people feel. And I just accepted now that like, I have no fucking idea because I'm not in their brain. And that has been so liberating. And that, that alone gives me like an hour and a half a day back. (laughs) Yeah. I, I needed to hear that today. And I think something I heard recently and I love, it's like, we're not responsible for how other people feel, right? Like Mm -mm. it's just what it is. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram. I'm just at Katerina Stefan. And I also have a free little checklist. It's the high performance daily checklist. And it actually goes over the four, um, the four pillars within my method, the mindset goals, routines, and boundaries. And it gives you action steps in each of them. And it's the same sort of checklist that I used to help me start going from my initial lifestyle to one of high performance and healthy hustle. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been such a pleasure. I hope I would have the privilege of being invited back one day. You will always be invited back. I was just about to say that we'll have to do it again. I feel like we could talk for literally days Mm -hmm. and yeah. And once, yeah, maybe we could pick a topic and, uh, and just go into it. Oh, we would. Q and A's on that and get, get a juicy topic. We would just enjoy that. I would love that so much. Okay. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Have an incredible Thursday. I never know what day of the week it is. (laughs) I know moving into the long weekend. Yes. Oh yeah. It's Canada day coming up. It is. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.